1: Hooten and welcome to Colonels, which is on the road this week as I've uh, taken a week and a half off to head to Japan for a little bit, kind of ostensibly out here to start work on a new script, but the uh, script writing to uh, beers and ramen ratio is not quite as balanced as I'd hoped, but I'm having a, having a nice time. Uh, I was in Tokyo to begin with, first time there, it was amazing, bunkers, surreal as, as expected a few days, and then I head out to the countryside, and uh, if you ever find yourself in a lovely little town called Takayama, there's a, a bar down there, down an alley, called Desolation Row, run by an old man named Ken, and it's just a little living room filled to the brim with records, about 3,000 records he's collected over the years, and you'll sit down in there, and he's got a wide selection of whiskies, and Ken will look after you. It was a lovely place to be. I'm now in Kyoto and uh i figured i didn't want to skip a week so i'm recording this from a ryokan, a little japanese inn um literally sat here in a yukata and Huori, the traditional dress drinking a green tea recording kernels so i apologize for the uh lower audio quality than usual i've tried to uh mitigate that as best i can by throwing a duvet over my head (laughs) to minimize the echo so I hope you can hear me all right. So shortly before I left, I spoke to Steven Soderbergh, who's a director. I kind of envy, really, if you look at the careers of, of big directors, and you think of ones that must be fun. Steven Soderbergh definitely seems like a fun job because he he tends to he makes all these kind of big, fun not overly cerebral movies, you know, you've got the Oceans Trilogy, Aaron Brockovich, Magic Mike, but then around that, just to keep himself entertained, he finds time to make complete oddities, like, uh, in 2005 he made this film, Bubble, that has, uh, no traditional script and only uses non-professional actors that he recruited from West Virginia and higher where the film was being shot. I think the, uh, lead actress was found working the drive through window of KFC, so he kinda he pays the bills with these big movies that are still great, and then still finds time around the edges to do something a little bit interesting and experimental. He's also an interesting man to talk to because he's such a huge consumer of content. You know, a lot of a lot of the directors I talk to don't really keep up with current movies. You know, they're focused on what they're doing, or they're kind of from a different kind of, perhaps golden era, and they don't really watch everything new that's coming out. But Steven Soderbergh watches about As much as is possible for a human to. You should check out his blog where he lists every year every single thing he's watched be it film or TV and everything he's read be it a novel or a play. So it was kind of fun to have a conversation with him a bit like you would have with a friend just about what they've been watching and what they like they've liked this year and what they haven't. So that was good fun I pulled him up on his list a little bit asked what he made of uh, some of the stuff he had been watching and then we also spoke about Logan Lucky, his new film, which is super interesting because it's, you know, a lot of heist movies. There's a heist within a heist. But this film is essentially a heist within a heist within a heist. The outermost exoskeletal heist being, like, the film itself. Because he's kind of pulled the rug out from under the studios, really. He's decided, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make a studio-style movie, but I'm not going to do it with studios. I'm going to go about funding it myself. And he even has this kind of disdain for, he just sees studios as wasteful. So for all the money they spend on marketing and everything and focus testing and big fancy premieres. He's like, no, we don't need to do that. We just need to make people aware that the film's happening, make sure they can see the trailer. That's all we need. So he's kind of trimmed the fat around the edges and just kind of come up with this very new lean plan. And everyone's watching to see whether it works. So we obviously speak a little bit about that and one other thing to brief you on is um, when I, we mentioned pseudonyms, because uh, Stephen, he's, he's often worked under pseudonyms, interestingly, and uh, there's, there's been a... I don't know how closely you follow, you know, the, the trade press, but uh, there's been some talk about Logan Lucky's writer, Rebecca Blunt, um, who doesn't seem to have much history. She's got the... credited as a sole writer, and yet doesn't seem to have made a film before. Um, I didn't want to ask him directly about it because I didn't want it to become, you know, like a piece of like gotcha journalism me like trying to find out this identity of this person who may or may not exist for whatever reason but we talk about it in a kind of slightly oblique way so i hope you enjoy our chat and uh i'll see you in a couple of weeks for next episode when i'm back in the country all right enjoy how are you doing, all right? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. I was up till 5 a.m. last night covering Game of Thrones, which is now oh. the fate of every British entertainment journalist. That, yeah. Have you been sucked into that universe? Or? No,
0: but my wife has. Yeah. She, um, she got hooked on it when I was on location a couple years ago. She'd never seen any of them, and yeah. then I was gone, and she watched like the first four seasons in a row, and now she's, she's hooked. <laughs> nice. So.
1: Yeah, and congratulations on Logan Lucky. I really Thanks. enjoyed it. I, I enjoy like a. I feel like I hadn't watched a straight up and down heist film in a while, and it was it was refreshing. I like it when you have a film and you're just like from like four minutes in, and you you know where this is going, and you're kind of like hooked.
0: Well, that's how I felt when I read it, um, mm-hmm. and for me, obviously, it was enough of a variation on an ocean's movie to make it fun and to make it feel like oh, I'm not doing exactly what I've done before this is kind of a 180 on on that kind of movie so that's why when I was tasked initially with trying to find a director for the script that that after a couple weeks I said I think actually I should do this
1: Hmm, yeah and it's always going to be remembered now as Steven Soderbergh's coming out of retirement movies the way it's in the headlines
0: I, I don't think you know I don't think the audience cares about it. No. That. I think they care about it.
1: Do you think that whole thing was, was it a case of it was like an offhand comment that you made that then was overstated through reportage in beginning? No, with, or not did at you... all.
0: No, I made a very clear point, which I think is obvious in the speech I gave at the San Francisco Film Festival four years ago, how frustrated I was with the studio version of the movie business. Like mm. I was, I was absolutely at that point feeling like I don't know if I'm going to make another movie. I, mean, I If if it involves working the way the system is working currently, then no, I'm not. I'm going to go work somewhere else, which is what I ended up doing. I just ended up having an opportunity to sort of build a model that was different, that allowed me to to have creative control and have a better sort of economic structure. And that was a result, I think, of a lot of planets aligning at the same time. And it's gonna be an ongoing thing Mm -hmm. to see if if this is a a new way of of working. Um, But at the end of the day, I think, again, for the audiences, that's all, this is all very kind of what we'd describe in the States as inside baseball like it's not for them it's for an audience it's irrelevant they just want to see a good movie yeah um and why that was the thing i had to keep in mind while we were sort of building this new approach and there was a lot of administrative work to be done um putting it together i had to constantly remind myself dude you better make sure you make a good movie or this is all irrelevant
1: yeah it, we, well, I, obviously, I get the fact that you, you felt it, like exhausted with the with the studio system stuff. But there was an element as well of, of just being on set. I think I, I read you said something like about you were t- sick of sick of being in vans scouting locations yeah. and you couldn't do it. I wondered if there was there was must have been kind of some parallels with Daniel Craig actually. I don't know if you guys ever spoke about it because he seemed to have this similar moment with the Bond franchise where he was like, "No, I can't do it anymore, and you should, But you both just ultimately needed some time to, time away to realise that you love making movies. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, I think so. It's it's it can be you have to find a way to sort of keep um connected to it. And it's 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 no different than than you know, being in a relationship with somebody for a long time. Mm-hmm. You need to keep finding ways to remember and reconnect with with that person and remember w- what it was about them that compelled you you know and so I think you do you do if you've been working a lot or you've been working very hard um, it's it it's easy to sort of fall into a a sense of familiarity that doesn't feel good now that being said I'm never, ever going to like driving around in a van, scouting locations. Like, there's just no version of that that I'm ever going to be happy about. I know you have to do it, and I yeah. do it, but I'm never going to like it. Like, it's just, I just find it really frustrating. <laughs> it's just, it's it's not, that's the one part of the job. Well, no, there are two parts of the job that, that are hard for me. I'm not a morning person, so getting up early is... is, is not pleasant um, i'm not either
1: but we might, we did it today so. <laughs> yeah
0: we had to um and uh yeah driving around in the van just uh, it's never i'm never going to enjoy that um i try to keep that to myself it's not like i'm a i'm a, a a dark presence in the van um it's just it there's something inefficient about it you know what i mean it's just like it takes a long time to yeah I mean that that is something you could delegate right
1: but you don't nah, want you don't want to you want no, to be you
0: really no you really can't i mean every time i've on the on the couple of occasions where i've tried to it's really backfired you know what i mean where i've tried to pick a location based on like photographs mm. you know and then i get there and something it's just different like you realize oh it doesn't it's yeah. not exactly what i thought so and and that was back that was an experiment. An experiment I did back before I'd really gotten that frustrated with the van, so it's um, it's part of the it's part of the thing.
1: And do you think what brought you back to movies was it was it Logan Lucky or was it excitement about this idea you had for the for the strategy or like a, a marriage of the? Team? I think
0: it was, I don't think it was both. I mean, I think Logan. I don't know that. well you know, Logan felt to me like the perfect test case for this because it was a broad appeal film that you could cast um, movie stars in and would look to an audience like a like a regular Hollywood movie Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like it needed it needed that it needed to be that Um, so it seemed yeah it seemed like some things were kind of lining up that That needed to line up um so so I sort of started running toward it, and the good news for me because I value the experience of making the film a lot, was that this was from beginning to end, although it's not quite over yet, like really, really fun mm. and and it it was it went the way I hoped I had the creative experience that i that I hoped I would have. And I've had the sort of practical, professional experience that I hoped that I would have. So for me, it's been it's been a big. It was exciting, and and I'm excited still about trying to put other projects through this yeah. system. Yeah, I
1: think it's a it's a very savvy choice. I think it's a it's a very it's a film that's very hard to dislike. I think I think people are going to enjoy it.
0: It seems like we've gotten I have to say, a a better. Critical response in the States than I thought we would. It's not a movie that I went in thinking, oh, we're gonna get really good reviews. Um that, so that was a a sort of nice surprise. But yeah, I mean, look, it's possible that I mean it happened I it to me, I look at the movie and I go, wow, you've just gotta be in a really weird place to to literally not be able to pull any pleasure yes yeah yeah. like i i don't know what to say to that you know that i'm really sorry you're 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 in that spot where you just look at this and you're angry (laughs) i don't know what to say to that because it seems it seems although not uh craven in its desire to to please you it's certainly yeah a tough movie to hate
1: yeah yeah, it must have been a lot of fun to shoot such a like a talented cast. Um, I was just talking to Adam Driver, who I just I love. Like he's just so much fun to watch on screen. Yeah, I was saying how my favorite line line of his in the whole in the whole movie was just "Yep." Don't be the one I mean. Was, where he's yeah, like, yeah. "Yep." Yeah,
0: in the prison. <laughs> yeah. I know. And no, he's. I was so glad we got him. I've I've been sort of following him for a while. I think he's really unique, and and it was fun. I think for all of them, I could say this about Daniel too, it was fun to watch them be able to do something where they were having fun, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I think for Daniel, the ability to just cut loose and not have to, I told him, I don't care how you look. I don't like, there's nothing to protect here. There should be like scorched earth. You should like annihilate everything that came before this. Like just go. Yeah, And he really took that to heart.
1: Yeah. Um, I was thinking about uh, the pseudonyms throughout your career. Um, Are they less or more fun now the internet is able to analyse everything surgically?
0: (laughs) Oh, I think, you know, maybe more fun. Maybe it's more fun because now there's the... Head over to Hulu this
1: March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.
2: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
0: The theories are get crazier and crazier and go deeper and deeper, um, but there's a real. I think there's a. I'm. I'm. I'm really. Into the idea of of pseudonyms and sort of alternate um, identities, because there's a real, it can free you up in a way, and I think particularly for writers, um, it can be a it can be a valuable tool to kind of step outside yourself, you know. And again, this issue of like protecting. Some idea that, that people may have of what somebody with that name does and is capable of, yeah. and to be able to kind of step out you know, from that and look at it from the outside, and uh, I think is a really valuable thing. It was fascinating to me, the, the controversy that sort of uh, sprung up around the Alina Ferrante. Novels, and when she got mm, outed, and yeah. this, this guy did all these like crazy forensics on like real estate and figured it out, and yeah. and I had a very mixed feeling about that because I loved those books, and and I guess I felt I, I certainly was not a person that felt like I have a right to know this. Yeah, you know, I really didn't care. All I cared about was the books, and so um, while while I would never say that, you know. He, that that journalist isn't allowed to go and try and explore that and excavate the the mystery i i can't say that i felt it was necessary or that uh, i'm not sure what was served yeah by that like would, do we all feel better yeah there's
1: the most like Egregious example of that over here, actually, with um, the musician Burial. I don't know if you know him. No. Um, He was, he was like, amazing, like, and, um, and just never, ever, which wanted to remain anonymous. And, like, a tabloid journalist, like, hounded and found it, And all they'd found was, like, oh, yeah, it's this guy who lives here. And I was, like, well, that doesn't really help or serve anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, does it, like, I don't care who Banksy is. Yeah. All I care about is the art, you know, and it really doesn't, I don't, I'm not, I would have no interest in like finding out and especially as time goes on, I really don't because I feel like, well, I, I don't, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't, I just, I don't see the need to know, but I'm sure at some point somebody's going to, we're going to find out who it is and, and then there'll be a whole thing about that. But I think. Look, there's a dark version of what I'm talking about, where people use another identity to to misdirect or yeah, it. to misdirect or create something negative, you know, to stir up something negative or to be destructive or to be cruel, um, you know, there, the, the, there's no, there's no one version of of any idea. Like, if human beings through history have taught us anything, it's that if there's a bad Version of something to be done, like human beings will find out how to do it and do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like we're, our our capacity to find the bottom is pretty incredible. Um, so, but in this context, in a sort of creative, purely creative space, I think the idea of of multiple identities, shifting identities, um, is really interesting and, and really potentially valuable.
1: Yeah, going back to Logan Lucky, um. I- it made me laugh. Um, Seth MacFarlane's character, because it's sort of <laughs> the costume is so ridiculous. It reminded me a bit of like um, Rob Lowe's character in Behind the Candelabra. Right. That <laughs> it, almost, it almost makes you jump out of the narrative. It's so ridiculous. But... Yeah. There
0: was uh, <laughs> Studio Canal was very concerned about this um, when they saw the film, <laughs> and I said, "So what are you saying? Like the entire country just has no sense of humor? Like the I go, yeah. Let's be clear. And he's described in the script as the kind of British person that British people would take an exception to. Yeah. Um, I said, but the point of it, and I said this to Seth, who was the one who came up with that approach. It wasn't written for, for a British person. Yeah. And I said, I don't care what you do with this, just know that he has to create instantaneous hatred <laughs> by the view, by, like by anybody who sees him. Like it has to be physical like how much you can't stand this guy. yeah. And so a couple of weeks later, he called me and said, oh, I've been in the studio like messing around with some stuff and I think I've got something. And and he said, do, do you mind if he's British? And I said, no, not at all. And then I didn't see him until he showed up on set like with the whole get up. Yeah. And yeah, it's pretty extreme. I think, I think it needs yeah. that color. Like it needs, yeah. the movie needs that kind of, note you know to play with all the other notes when i think now i guess the judge the the way to judge it for me now is well what if he didn't do it like that yeah like it's hard for me to imagine like well what else would you do like it kind of needs to be that
1: i think Uh, we brits are like uh some of the best at like taking the piss out ourselves anyway like that was my impression (laughs)
0: but uh no they were nervous they were they were very nervous about it and i i felt like I think people are gonna get it's a comedy.
1: Yeah. Going back to behind the candelabra, which I love, um my kind of like my yep moment in that is um Rublo's slow glass of, and then a <laughs> little like can't
0: it's not a smile, but yeah. there's like lu- fluid leaking out of his mouth. It's he was hilarious. <laughs> I can outside. imagine he was that was a fun movie to make too, I have to say. And creatively, I mean HBO left us you know, completely Mm. alone. And I mean, it was a really good script. Yeah. Um, There wasn't a lot to to sort of monkey with. But that was, you know, for a time, it looked like that was going to be the last thing I was going to do. And we had like a, when we had the rap party, you know, there was, I assumed like, it's going to be a while Mm. before I come back to this. Um, And I I felt really good about that. Like I really was happy with that film. And I felt like, yeah, if that was the last thing I did, I'd be really happy with that.
1: Yeah, it had like an emotional resonance that I didn't expect that came at the end. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I wanted to ask you a little bit about, um, so for, like, for listeners who don't know, um, you keep a, a list of your your consumption every year, whether it's TV, film, plays. Um, which I think is, is like really, really fascinating. I don't know necessarily your motive for doing it, but as a, as a reader, just to see where, you are, where your head's at, where you're interested in taking you, what you're, what you're keeping tabs on in the industry and what you're going back to like, learn about. Um, I was looking over your one for 2016 and I wanted to ask you about a few of them. Just in, sure. Um, so the Patrick Marber plays. Um, I really love Closer. and uh, I didn't get a chance to see those plays. And I wondered if you liked them.
0: Yeah, I know Patrick a little. Um...
1: He's like brutally honest. Like I oh, remember yeah. what, first time I watched Closer I was like, no one has gone this honest with relationships. Like,
0: no. Patrick's a great writer, and um, I met him or er, got to know him through um, Mike Nichols when when Mike did Closer, mm. and so he and I sort of. When I come to town, I think I'm going to see him this time because I'm I'm busy talking about myself. <laughs> But um, usually um, when we come into town, my wife and I come into town, we like try to track him down and go have a meal because he's actually really fun to hang out and talk yeah. to. Like, he's very smart and he's very funny. And um, as it happened, um, I took advantage of of seeing him last time to pick up copies of, of some of his plays that I wasn't familiar with and, and really liked them a lot um i have a couple i have some ideas that i've pitched him that i'm trying to convince him to to work on so every time i see him i kind of bring that up yeah um, oh, i'd love to see you two collaborate please like make that happen something, <laughs> i know and uh, i haven't i haven't gotten him uh to to commit but uh i'm gonna keep trying i yeah i I'd, I'd love to do something with him
1: yeah um i heard you paint houses presumably you were just interested to see why is he's working with that?
0: No, that was um, that was a book I read because I was developing a project. I was actually, it's going to take me forever. I'm adapting a book that was written by a friend of mine, uh, David Levine, who's part of the duo of Brian Koppelman and David Levine, who wrote Ocean's 13 for me right. and The Girlfriend Experience and created Billions. Uh, David wrote a, a novel, a crime novel called City of the Sun, um, that I've been slowly adapting over the years, and when I was talking um, early on to a, I wanted to adapt it and produce it, but not direct it. And I was talking to a director about it, and um, th- he read the book and said, "Oh, you need to read. This reminds me of this other true, this book about a true yeah. crime, you know. But it, tonally, he said it's very similar. So no, it wasn't until months later that that it was announced that that Scorsese was going to actually adapt that book. It's a really, really interesting book.
1: Mm, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm surprised he didn't call it A Heard You Paint Houses. That seems like the best name for a film to me. The man, the yeah, Irishman. I guess maybe not. <laughs> I don't
0: know. Maybe they felt it was a little too kind of complex yeah. in what it sort of you know conjures, yeah. You know, and The Irishman just seems simpler. Yeah.
1: Right, I'm going to get the soon, so I'm going to ask you to whistle through these more quickly. Uh, Better Call Saul, which I wasn't... Everett got so much acclaim and I thought was, I don't know, I wasn't sure Which about one? it. A Better Call soul.
0: Oh, I love it. You don't like it?
1: I don't know. I, I like it. I don't love it, I guess. Oh, I there. love it. I really love it. Um, the Olympics. Were you glad to have your life back from that after that ended? I was like, why am I spending all of my hours watching this? It's not doing anything useful oh, for me? I love the
0: Olympics. I love, <laughs> as you can see, like, I love the Olympics. I can't wait until the Winter Olympics. <laughs> I just, it's, well, what's, Weird now is I don't know if you've seen this new documentary that just came out called Icarus.
1: No, my friend was telling me about this oh yesterday, my God. yesterday. Yeah, you got,
0: you got to see this. Thing. Yeah, it's incredible. And now my whole, now that's like colored my whole Interesting. Olympics thing. Because I'm like, oh no, really? Yeah. Like, is it all like? Is everything just corrupted and? Because <laughs> what I you know, in general, what I love about the Olympics is it's just it seems to be so clear you know it's just one of the few things in this world that you can watch and it seems so exactly what it is (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean i think that's why people love sports and it is why they get upset when they hear about doping or you know games that are fixed or anything like that like it really it hits you in a really primal way because you think like oh no don't don't ruin (laughs) that um but god yeah it was while we were actually just while you're shooting, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it was. It was. I wasn't getting a lot of sleep.
1: <laughs> a bigger splash. I think is one of the most underrated films. I love it's that. It's pretty fun. Ralph Fiennes' performance in that. Yeah. Out, outrageous. <laughs> out yeah, of this world. No. Yeah.
0: Really, really interesting movie.
1: Um, Westworld.
0: Yeah. I'm. I'm curious to see where they're going to take this.
1: Yeah. I thought it like it set up all these really philosophical like questions that are really interesting. Then maybe didn't meet them for me so far
0: but yeah I'm, I'm curious to see where they're gonna go yeah i think there's a lot of places they can go um so yeah i'm curious yeah. to see like what 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 tributaries they decide to expand
1: yeah and just finally which kind of brings this full circle actually horace and pete another experimental
0: yeah i really appreciate that he's trying to push himself mm. out out of this like, I'm a guy who stands up and tells jokes. You know what I mean? And I thought
1: It's a really cool idea. I really yeah. thought
0: some of the writing in that show was was mm. was amazing. And and just the accomplishment, the scale of it, you know, for him to have done that on his own, um, I thought was really impressive. But I just I just like that he's not content to just be one thing. Yeah. And that he's trying to sort of go deeper and further with with his work and believe me you know this is an industry that only encourages you to do the thing you've done before that people liked like nobody's nobody's saying like hey why don't you yeah it's like don't you stay in com- your lane kind yeah. Of thing, yeah why don't you completely <laughs> you know throw everything up in the air and experiment like nobody's ever said that ever yeah um and so whenever i see somebody who who i feel a kinship With because I can sense their sort of restlessness, you know. I I always I always try to support that. Yeah. You know, and he's you know he's pushing it.
1: All right. Well, best of luck with this experiment. I really hope it works for you. And
0: yeah, I mean it kind of already has. We got to do it. Yeah. And and so, and I'm gonna keep doing it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm happy.
1: Maybe you'll change Hollywood and you'll become the household name you never wanted to become.
0: <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. My name's too hard to pronounce. <laughs> all right, Stephen, thanks so much. Thanks, great to meet you. Yeah, take care. Enjoy your day. You too.
1: So that was Stephen Soderbergh. I hope you enjoyed our chat. Could have definitely talked to that man all day long. I wasn't even, hadn't even scratched the surface, really, of things that I uh, had to ask him, or ask him about. Hopefully we'll have him back on the podcast at some point. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and um, hit us up on Twitter if you haven't already. Love to get some feedback. Um, Always good to hear from you guys, and any questions or suggestions you may have, very welcome. All right, I'll catch you soon.